Hey, this is your brother, Kirby, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Light of the Day. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 18, the path of the just is like the shining light growing brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. May your path be a little bit brighter this day in Jesus name. So, let's begin. The topic we're going to speak about today is faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. You allowed me to speak not because I'm worthy, but because he who calls me is the one who qualifies. And I thank you, Father, that this message will increase faith because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you, Father, that we will not be those who draw back, but we will be those who grow in faith, the ones who press forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. guys let's open our bibles we're going to be going to mark chapter 6 and we'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 4 let's push it back a little bit and let's read from verse 1 to verse 6 it says then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. They're speaking of Jesus. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching. Hey, let's dive right in. Thank you, Father for this opportunity to go deeply into your word. So, take a rest and let's talk together, guys. We're going to find our initial reading in Mark chapter 6 from verse 1 to 4. And something that's so amazing about Mark chapter 6 
is that in the previous chapters, Jesus has been known for healing people. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus healed a paralytic man. Jesus delivered a demon possessed man. Jesus was doing so many things. And that's just the things that we have recorded that's written in the book of Mark for our edification and for our faith. So there's a plethora of things that aren't written that may have happened that we don't even know about. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of faith. Many people, they say a term, word of faith, this and that, faith, faith, faith. But the ministry of Jesus was a ministry of faith. Why? Because the ministry of Jesus was empowered by the Spirit of God. And anytime God is in the equation, God gets his pleasure from faith. So if he finds pleasure in your ministry, it's very easy for someone else to look into your ministry and find faith. It's not faith if you understand it all. It's not faith if you have it all together. It's not faith if you know the ins and outs and you know where your provision is coming from and you know exactly how to formulate the plans. The Bible says that cursed is the man who trusts in man. It's not faith when it's based on your trust of man, even if the man is you. Even if it's your own ability and your own intuition and your own intellect. God isn't pleased by you using your own intellect unless it's used in faith. So the Bible tells us then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon named four brothers that Jesus had stepbrothers, of course. Or half brothers more more so sorry, and are not his sisters here with us. So they were offended at him. Jesus said, blessed are those who. Take no offense in me in another part of scripture. Now, here's the problem. Jesus said what the problem is in verse four. He said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. Now he can do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. That is so important. Why? Because Jews were known for respecting prophets and for killing prophets. Jews knew that a prophet would be the highest point in the system, not the king, but the prophet, because the prophet would be the voice of the mouthpiece of God. The king would be right up there as well. But the prophet is on that level where they understood in the times of David that if a prophet said something, you better listen. And if you don't like what he's saying and you attack the prophet, you don't touch the prophet because you don't touch the Lord's anointed. Now, for them to be able to reject someone at such a high position as a prophet, Jesus said the prerequisite is that that prophet is familiar to them. People don't receive people that they are familiar with, that they think they know. 
How much more true is it in this Western country where I am in the United States? Where if a man or woman of God rises up and says something, the more familiar you are with that person, the less respect you give to that person. When I say familiar, I don't mean familiar with their messages. I mean, some people, they will go really deep into the inner parts of that person's life and pull out something that isn't even sinful, isn't necessarily heretical or anything of that sort. But they go so deep into the person's life that they just now they find a reason to not believe the person. It's not that the person said something false, but many times what we like to do is we like to make people guilty until proven innocent instead of letting them be innocent until proven guilty, until we test their fruit and see that they're this or that. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, not to despise prophecy, but to test all things. Hold on to the good, reject the bad. That's important. But the topic that we're speaking of is faith. And how much more true is it with God? When we're so familiar with our own past experiences, we limit God's ability. God would remind the people of Israel to forget the former things because he's doing a new thing. Why? Because if all you see is the former failures, the slaveries, the things of that nature, when it's time for you to trust God for the new, the pain of the past will hurt you, will keep hurting you, will keep you back just like an ex in a relationship, for example. What I mean by that is the way that some people, they can't move over and be happy and, and be joyful in their new relationship because they're still holding on to the pain of the past. In the same way, men and women of God hold on to the pain of the past, the prayer requests that weren't answered. They let the devil talk into their ear and tell them their failures, tell them this or that to the point where faith is non-existent towards them. But let's read Hebrews chapter 11 to see what the Bible tells us about faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Hmm. Understand the things that you see weren't created by things that you see. They were created by the invisible. That's verse three. Verse four says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And if you continue reading on, you'll see that all these heroes of faith is that Noah, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved in God with godly fear, prepared an ark. For the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Going on to Abraham and so many other patriarchs of the faith, how they had hope against all hope, faith against all belief. They had a faith that was so firm that even though all circumstances would prove itself as something worthy of doubt, they chose to believe God. 
And then it was accounted and attributed as righteousness to these folks. Nowadays, we live in a society where people are okay with not having faith. They don't see anything divine. They don't care about any wonders, miracles, signs. When they pray, they don't even expect a response. They hope that there's a response, but they prepare for if there's not a response. Why? Because they don't have faith. Just like the people in Nazareth, Jesus's hometown that rejected him because they were so familiar. They in this society are so familiar with culture, so familiar with all the Marvel science fiction, all the, these movies that when it actually comes time for the rubber to meet the road and them to actually believe God, they can't. Because miracles are just science fiction to them. It's just something that they can see in a Marvel movie somewhere, but they don't see it in their physical life. And they think that that is okay. Oh, that's just the apostolic age. That's just the age of the apostles. Even that phrase right there to limit things to a certain age, even though the same Holy Spirit is here, that is not biblical. That is made up. That is doctrinal, not foundational Bible. That is not what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus said that these signs shall follow those who believe. Mark 16, verse 15 onwards. And the truth of the matter is this. If we don't know how to believe God now in times of peace, how will we be able to believe God in times where it's not so peaceful? Jesus said some very bold statements that right now, if you were to say inside of the church, people would reject you for. Let's take John chapter 16, verse 24, for example. If you're with me, please hear me. John chapter 16, verse 24. The Bible says, verse 22, 23, and 24. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Jesus speaking to his disciples because he was prophesying that he was going to die. He was going to be buried and they wouldn't see him anymore, but then he would resurrect. But then in verse 23, Jesus said, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you until now. You have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You know what people do? They use a safety net verse in James and they try to excuse them asking God by saying it must be in his will. And they treat God's will as if it's some elusive thing that can not be known by anyone. Although Apostle Paul said in first first Corinthians chapter two, that we have the mind of Christ. We have the very spirit of Christ. John 15 tells us that if we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, we will ask whatever we will and it will be done for us. Why can Jesus give us that power? Because if you abide in his word and his word abides in you, you are praying his will. Why? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So if your heart is full of the word of God, you will be praying the word of God. But if your heart is full of corruption, you will be praying corrupt prayers. Very simple. Now, if we go into Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and then we're going to go into Luke chapter 11. Let's go into Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Verse 8, 
Listen to me. I'm not going to add and I'm not going to take away from the word. So whatever you hear, this is the word of God right now. For what for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if he if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is so adamant in this portion of scripture on asking the father and he said the prerequisite of it is good things. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now, is this talking about everything? No, because not everything. You're not ready for everything. You're not ready to receive everything. Something may be good and then at the same time not be good specifically for your current condition. So that doesn't mean that that thing is not good for someone else. Someone else may ask and they're able to have the current condition. They're able to handle it. They're able to trust God and their heart not deviate from it because Jesus said to be careful of covetousness. But you, on the other hand, you may need a little bit more maturity before you're ready for it. The Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. So there's some things that you aren't pure enough to handle. If God gave you a billion dollars at this very moment, you don't know how you'd react and you don't know if you'd even turn to God two, three, four years down the line. You don't know. And truth be told, if it's not God who sustains you, you may lose your soul. God is interested in keeping your soul. He's not trying to lose your soul by giving you something because that wouldn't be good. But people use and manipulate the verse in James where it talks about asking amiss. And they use it to say that God doesn't want to heal your five-year-old daughter from cancer. They take it and manipulate it to say that God doesn't want to save your son who's lost in the world. They take it and manipulate it even though they see that the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that Jesus went around doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil. It didn't say some, it said all. And we excuse our lack of faith and try to hide it under a veil of a verse. Which makes, which makes us understand why Jesus commended people who didn't even know the Torah. They didn't even know the scripture, but he commended them for their faith because their mind wasn't boggled down by head knowledge. They didn't have so much head knowledge that they made excuses to not believe God. Unlike many people today who make very much excuses to not simply have the faith 
of a mustard seed. The faith that would tell this mountain to move. The faith that would tell this demon to get out in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell the vile spirit of infirmity to leave. People don't have that type of faith. Instead, they, they think that it's all about, hey, I just need to pray. I just, I'm going to pray it away. A prayer away keeps the devil a day. What, what in the world? When Jesus said that, behold, I have given you authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19. He knew that the disciples, he already taught the disciples how to pray. He knew the disciples knew how to pray. But still he knew that even though they knew how to pray, there was something that was missing. So he gave them authority. Meaning there's some things that are prayerful and there's some things that take authority. And he gave them that authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and all the powers of hell. And he said that nothing shall by any means harm them. But all they needed to do to receive it was believe. Do you believe? Many don't. And Jesus said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on this earth? And the answer is, we don't know. The way that this country is, we don't know. Let's go into Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Jesus is literally asking his disciples to ask. Imagine. Imagine your parents came to you. I don't know how you feel about holidays, but imagine your parents came to you on one of the gift giving holidays. And then they said, ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. As a child, you would ask for whatever you want without even thinking if the parent could actually fulfill on their promise. But when you become an adult and all the troubles and tribulations of life build up the knowledge of good and evil on your head, even if someone told you to ask your false humility will make you say, oh, no, I don't need anything. Oh, no, this and that. No, because you think that it's going to be too burdensome, too much of a trouble. And we use that same mindset for Jesus Christ, where we don't even think that he's going to answer our prayers, even though he's the one that told us to ask. He's the one that told us. Verse 10 says, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus said to everyone who asks. Receives and he who seeks find and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, 
he would give him a stone? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asked for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hallelujah. God is so good. God will give us the Holy Spirit for asking. Asking. Did you hear that? Did it say fasting and praying for 40 days? No. Jesus didn't receive the Holy Spirit after 40 days, but before the 40-day fast. And I think it's very important for us to understand this. Asking and keep on asking. A lot of people are so afraid to ask nowadays in the church. They don't know that God is good. They hate hearing messages about God is good because some people take the messages to an extent where they sacrifice the holiness of God and excuse it by saying goodness. Basically saying that God doesn't ever punish the wicked. God doesn't ever do anything that chastens his children. God doesn't ever know. So because of that, people throw the baby with the bathwater out. And they hate just hearing that simple phrase now. God is good. The Bible says that his goodness leads to repentance. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. God is good. The problem is sin separated us from God. And on the other side of a holy God, if you're on the other if you if you're barred by sin, from the other side of a good God, all you have left is a holy God. And if you're on the side of sin, his holiness is scary. Scary. And I think it's so important for us to understand this. When Jesus Christ came, as we've received Christ Jesus in our hearts, when we received Christ Jesus as Lord of our life, Jesus brought us back into fellowship with God, back into union with God. Jesus brought us back to the position in a redeemed way of being justified. To be beyond reproach before the Father because of his precious and holy blood. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The reason why God will answer your prayers by faith isn't because of your righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ that he's imputed into you by faith. So now you can pray and all the faith that you need is the same faith as the woman with the issue of blood. If I may touch the hem of his garment, Jesus is the contact point to receiving from God. That's why Jesus said to pray in his name. The Greek word for name is anomo, in his character, in his likeness, in his mindset. Genesis 1 verse 6, let us create man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Jesus came and Jesus died and he rose again. And when we were baptized, we proclaimed, according to Ephesians chapter 2, that we died with him and we rose with him 
And because we died with him and we rose in him, any time that we ask something from the father, when he sees us, he sees Jesus. And that's why we receive the answers to our prayer. Not because you deserve it, but because he deserves it. The father himself loves you. And he says that anytime you ask in the name of Jesus, God can still be just. But at the same time, answer your prayer. Because if the word of Christ abides in you, you will pray to the father and you will pray his will. Because Jesus said that his work is to do the will of the father. Don't be afraid of prayer. And don't be afraid of trusting God in faith. Don't lose that sense of childlike faith. If you lose that sense of childlike faith, what else do you have? How can you believe God for anything? If you can't believe God for when you have a little headache, how can you believe God when something happens to somebody else? You cannot please God if you do not have faith. You cannot please God if you do not have faith. You cannot live the Christian life if you do not have faith. The Bible says that all of us has get, have been given a measure of faith. And the beautiful thing about that measure of faith is that you can grow it. Spending time in the word of God because faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the Creole version of the Bible, it says faith coming by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. It's important for us to understand. Without faith, you cannot call yourself a Christian. Why? Because faith is the very reason why you can say that you have been redeemed. Why you can say that your sins have been forgiven. But even to go further. Uh-oh. Someone's going to say uh-oh. Even to go further. The Bible says that if God freely gave us his son Jesus to die on the cross in Romans. It says if he, if he freely gave us Jesus to die on the cross in Romans. How can he not also with Jesus give us all things? Because we're co-heirs with him. So when I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray from victory, not praying for victory. I pray from the it is finished. Jesus said it is finished, not to be continued. There's nothing that he left undone. I'm establishing that it is finished. When I command a demon to leave, I can command him out because it is finished. When I pray for something and I receive it, the reason I receive it is because it is finished. Enter into this reality, saints. And let's live together for Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the ability to speak for you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your mercy. And pray, Lord, that by this word that many people grow in faith and they recognize that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And that the Bible says that the just shall walk by faith. Father God, I thank you that you show us by this word that you're still the same God as Hebrews 13 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he could have done yesterday, he could still do today, and he could still do forever. There's no such thing as an apostolic age that ended and all the signs ended with it. According to your word, you call us, Lord. And all you ask for us to have is faith in you. Thank you, Father God, that as we live for you, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just is as a shining light. 
growing brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Thank you that as we walk in the path that you set for us, we grow brighter and brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. That's the fully mature day. Help us, Father, to be fully mature in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.